Hello and welcome to episode 150 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. Now, uh, this is episode 150 and I did have a special guest lined up for 150, but uh, with the uh, announcement uh, last week of the retirement of the number one player in the world, one of the greatest uh, women's player, uh, female players of all time, Renee Melwalili, I had to uh, adjust a few things in the schedule and we have another guest here on today who's going to give uh, a testimonial to Renim. Uh, Jenny Duncalf uh, kindly uh, said that she'd do this for us and Jenny's uh, obviously knows the game uh, as well as anyone and knows Renim's game as well as anyone. She played against her. She saw her come through uh, as, a, as a junior and break through uh, during those uh, at the turn of the millennium, those early years. And then uh, she was there to witness the, the rivalry uh, as it grew between Nicole and Renim uh, during that period of around 2010-2011 until uh, Renim took over the, uh, the number one ranking from from Nicole and uh, we talk about all all of that and uh, much much more in terms of uh, Renim's uh, career and Jenny uh, gives us some great insight on that so that's episode 150 today on uh, the In Squash podcast now before we get into that I just want to talk to you about uh, our sponsor Active Scout uh, I got back on court yesterday it was fantastic and uh, we're going to be looking to Active Scout as a uh, as a way of growing the game where I uh, where I live and spreading the good word. So Active Scout is a growth and retention tool for squash clubs and now the clubs are slowly looking to open their doors. Uh, we want to help your community grow. Not all members are returning from this break so growing club membership is more important than ever before. This is true. A few of the guys at, at uh, my club, they decided not to not to start playing yet. I think they want to err on the side of caution, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, at any rate, start with you and a few uh, regular partners. Active Scout can be your chat tool for arranging games or going for a jog. Post updates about your club on the social platform and check out what other clubs are doing to get up and running faster. Yeah, it's better than WhatsApp. WhatsApp can be a bit, uh, you know, clunky with everyone uh, sending you messages on there. So Active Scout can uh, tailor that down. Uh, uh, for you, tailor it for you. So the next step, let your club manager know about Active Scout. If your club still uses pen and paper as a booking system, this is an opportunity to upgrade for free. If your club already has a booking system, let us know what your system is and we will shortlist it for platform integration. Active Scout was designed by a level three coach to help grow our sport, so reach out to us today. Active Scout is beta testing. Contact Rob at Active Scout com and we will send you a link to download the app the email is just like the web the website rob at activescout.com that's active scout without the e and now we've got episode 150 with jenny duncalf uh, speaking about uh, the the great career of renim l willili okay well Jen, jenny uh, thanks for agreeing to uh, to come on how are how are how are you getting along under the circumstances um, yeah, pretty good, actually. Not too bad over here in Brisbane, in Australia. We're definitely being one of the more fortunate countries compared to the likes of you guys and back home in, uh, in the UK and Europe. So yeah. over here, it's, it's kind of opening up all the time, really. Squash clubs are back open, so people yeah. are playing and 
Yeah, I've got good news yesterday. Um, we're now allowed to, it was 20 people in indoor sports centres, and now it's up to 100. So, Oh, wow, that's, that's uh, big so that's news. Yeah. Good news, yeah. yeah, people, so, yeah but, people in the UK are envious. <laughs> yeah, I know, they're kind of getting pretty desperate, I think, for the clubs to open there, but hopefully it won't be too long now. Yeah, well, my club, uh, actually, the, the official opening here at my club here in the UAE is tomorrow. So, uh, oh, having, you, having, you're in UAE? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm in Dubai. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. Sorry, Dubai. I thought we've both got our locations wrong, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, America, I was sure you're in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I messed up there. That, that's on me, not you, though. So that's right. I have to, Don't uh, worry. I have to. That's what, I'm still a rookie at, at this kind of stuff, even though I've only I've been doing it for two years. But uh, I was yeah, going to say, I'm, I'm not sure no. you're a rookie. I feel like you've done uh, quite a few podcasts by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't use that excuse anymore. Hmm. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you're doing a little, before we get, obviously we're here to, today, I, I asked you to come on to speak to uh, um, uh, Renee Mel Willie's uh, retirement, but uh, before we get into that, um, so you're doing a little bit of coaching and stuff there in Brisbane, enjoying life uh, over there in, in lovely Australia. It's a sort of wintry weather there now, isn't it? Uh, Yes, sort of being the operative word. It's, um, yeah, winter over here is actually really nice. It's uh, nice and sunny, but about sort of 20, 21, 22, 23 degrees. So, yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty nice. You're not sweating like mad every day. Um, But it's good, yeah. Yeah, It does get cold on court, though. Unfortunately, there's not too many glass backs in Brisbane. The facilities okay. aren't um, too crash hot compared to the rest of the world. So there's a lot of just normal hardback, as they call them here. So it actually gets uh, pretty cold on corks. So they don't really get any sunlight. Yeah, yeah I remember playing yeah. on those courts back when I was young. And in the winters, it was deadly. Holy Lord. Mm. Playing on the cold courts. And that, that would favor you. You'd end up playing an older, as a junior, you'd play an older fellow who, who knew how to sort of place the ball well and, and uh, you know, uses touch and lobs and, and things like that. And that, that, that type yeah. of game always works on, on the, uh, the colder courts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I prefer a colder court, if I'm honest, to a hot court there as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on the day, doesn't it? Like if you're, you're feeling good and uh, you got a hot court and you're running around like mad, you know, you, sometimes you don't mind, but uh yeah, these days, yeah. I think definitely the colder part. Mm. Yeah, but no, things are good out here, thanks. Yeah, everything's everything's good. It's a nice place to live and great to be back on court and coaching. Yeah, do some private lessons and then work with uh, Squash Australia, okay. the performance pathway coach. So the clubs are all reopening and we're starting to get things going again. So it's been tough on the kids. They've missed out. On big, I mean, we're due to have the World Junior Championships this month down on the Gold Coast, so that's obviously being cancelled. So a lot of the kids disappointed about that and other events over here, like the Trans Tasman uh, match between New Zealand and Australia, uh, postponed, and so they've yeah. missed out on quite a few events these few months. And now the clubs are reopening. It's hopefully going to sort of kickstart again with some events postponed for later in the year and hopefully we can get things going again yeah i had uh, i was talking to mohammed el sherbagi a few day a few uh, about a week ago and he sort of 
uh, seemed to believe that things might, that we might hear something soon. That, that was kind of uh, <laughs> what I got from him. Maybe that's wishful thinking, or maybe it's something that's, that he's heard. He's got his ear to the ground there in the UK. But uh, have you heard anything on uh, that end? I guess like he, he was, it sounded to me like it, it looked like uh, maybe September, October, but uh, we're just sort of, uh, it's all conjecture at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, things are going to have to start happening soon. But obviously, with international travel, that's the big, the big issue. But there could be tournaments, perhaps, where there's at least prize money up for grabs for players, um, mm. and perhaps not points. And just to get players competing again would, would be great. I'm sure everyone would be um, interested in, in that sort of event to start yeah. things. Yeah, well, let's hope uh, soon things... Not that uh, that is definitely going to happen, but we'll see. <laughs> no, no. Now, uh, obviously, uh, it was, I guess it was Friday, last uh, Saturday or last Friday, Raneem uh, came out and kind of shocked the world, the squash world anyways. No one really saw it coming. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe some people knew, but uh, I don't think most of us knew that she was going to announce her retirement. And... Um, you know, it's a sad uh, day, but obviously a, a happy day because, uh, you know, she's happy with the decision and uh, it's uh, related to family and, uh, and you know, you can't uh, fault her for making that decision. She left the game as the number one player in the world. So uh, uh, just generally, when you heard uh, about the announcement, uh, Jenny, um, what, were, what were your thoughts initially? Yeah, same as you. Shock, I guess. I was at football training and uh, just briefly looked at my phone getting into my car before I started driving, I will add. Um, and I had a text from <laughs> uh, WhatsApp from Al, Alison Waters. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but it was along the lines of um, Renee's retired, you know, OMG slash other things. And, and I was like, what? And obviously I was about to drive, so I couldn't text. And I was thinking, no way. So then it takes me 10 minutes to get home and check my phone and stuff. And I knew Rachel, I live with Rachel Grinham, wouldn't have a clue because she never checks social media or barely replies to text messages. <laughs> yeah, I was going to just as an aside, I, I've always wanted to speak to, to ask Rachel to come on uh, my podcast, but uh, she's not out there to communicate with. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe she's, you, maybe you can she's in the that. front room now. I'm in banished to the bedroom and okay. she's in the living room doing some studying. Otherwise, I might grab her to get her thoughts on Raneem as well because I know she's a massive well, fan I think, of her. Uh, I think is. Danielle Latorno mentioned that she, she sent out a tweet that, that or, or something along those lines uh, after the announcement and it was something quite, you know, uh, worth, you know, it was quite some nice words that she had to say. Uh, yeah, well, Rachel's always had a close um, kind of bond with the Egyptian girls because she, of course, lived there for eight years. Okay. She lived um, sort of on the outskirts of Cairo for eight years, and that was when she was world number one and was playing her best squash. So she, all the younger, the girls now, like, I mean, Raneem is one of the old, older ones now, but they grew up kind of uh, watching Rach and training with her eventually and some of the young young boys as well at the time. So... Um, she's seen Raneem literally since she was like a little, little, little girl wow, um, yeah. coming through. And yes, like everyone's always had a kind of soft spot for her. So yeah, I rushed, rushed home. And then I kind of read, I think, an article as I was walking into um, walking home. 
yeah, so just shock and mm-hmm. kind of, and then that night I told Rach and she was like, what, what's going on? <laughs> um, text Raneem straight away. And then I just kept thinking selfishly, which I think I'd put in my tweet, just, just the disappointment in that, that all this, it's not a shame and it's not, it's just the fact that she was so good to mm. watch yeah. and just that that's just taken away like that. <laughs> like yeah. We're not going to see her at any of the tournaments again on court in the same capacity as we have. And yeah, that just hits home at what a huge loss that is. And that's absolutely no, you know, I'm made up for Raneem and, you know, having it, having it, been pregnant and everything. I'm so, so happy for her. And the more you think about it, it's not as big a shock as you think, really. I mean, she's 31. In in Egypt, girls tend to get married younger and, and have start families younger. She's won everything mm. in the game. She's been dedicated for so many years now, training every day. It, it takes its toll. And she's world number one. So what, um, and there's coronavirus. <laughs> you kind of... Yeah. You know, it's been on her mind, I guess, for the last couple of years, and it's it's hard to to continue being motivated when you don't even know when the next tournament is, and it's it's completely the right time for her to, her for her to stop. But yes, initially it was more just the bit of shock and think, what a shame, we're not going to get her get to see her play again. Yeah. Well, you did. You mentioned, you know, she's such a great player to watch, you know, and uh, she's one of these. Um, you know, whenever you know, I want to prepare for a match, I'd always watch uh, Amr Shabana play, watch a few of his matches, and then uh, I'd also watch some of her matches. They're, they're kind of in the same. They just play the game so gracefully. They play it the right way, and sort of uh, you'd want to mimic uh, that style of play when, when you, although, you know, try to, but uh, I mean, she was just so yeah. good with the racket. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing and moved so well, temperament so good. I mean, you, you know, nothing, just perfection across the board, really. Yeah. I mean, the first thing from a young age that stood out, of course, was her skill level was, um, you know, absolutely world-class from from a young age. And I remember the first, I think it was the first time I might have played her, it was like a first round of a world championships maybe in uh, in Manchester at the National Centre on one of the side courts. And I won, I can't remember what the score was, but, um, and she'd have been, you know, really young. And But I just remember her getting me so many times on a backhand flick from the back of the court. <laughs> Yeah. It must have been a handful of times. I figured it out by the end of the match. or I think a couple of them went in the tin, but I was nowhere near them. And I was, just remember that shot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so her skill level was, was unbelievable. And then, so she was more known for her skills initially, but she had, and, and then these days, you know, everyone talks about her ridiculously smooth movement. So mm. she's basically the complete, package now so the only thing that was perhaps missing um because she's always had the movement and the technique and the skills was just um putting it together mentally and becoming more consistent because you knew it for for quite a few years of a career you could you could be in the rallies and you'd you know she'd make you feel silly for a few points but you knew you'd kind of always get a few errors as well 
That, that was sort so of the she, way it was with uh, Shabana as well way back then, wasn't it? Like, uh, you know, he, yeah. he was there, he was playing some good squash, but then you knew he'd, he'd start diving around or, you know, doing, doing <laughs> the stuff that he liked to do to have fun rather than play the, the great squash that he was always capable of but didn't sort of uh, employ it for the whole, whole match. Yeah. 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 So once, once Raneem kind of eradicated the error count, she was – pretty much unbeatable at her best. And it only took, you know, someone of the same caliber in, in Laurel Shabini, mm. who, you know, mentally and temperament wise is just unbelievable for such a young player. And uh, the, it's so good to watch the top girls that Renine was a part of any of the kind of top three or four, when they play each other, they just bring out the best in each other. And it's the other reason it's a shame that Renine's retired is she was always your first go-to. If, if, if there was any sort of question or doubt, hopefully there's not as much these days on the level or athleticism or quality yeah. um, of women's professional squash. You'd just go, right, watch Renine in the semi-final against Kamisa or something like yeah, that. And yeah, you just yeah. Yeah. know the level is going to be so high yeah well she definitely yeah. raised the the bar and everyone's actually trying to get, they're there or then some now so you got so, so many great young players out there but i was going to ask you you know you, you mentioned her early career you know she's a world junior champion and then she turned uh professional and uh you know, it's hit the ground running really. But then it was uh, the, those years and you were around during this time, I think you might've been number two in the world uh, around then. It was between, um, well, the, uh, 20, 2012, that's when she first beat uh, Nicole David. I think it was the uh, Malaysian Open actually. Uh, that was her first win over her in Malaysia in the final of the Malaysian Opens, uh, ironically. But uh, talk about those years. I mean, that, that, that was really when the rivalry uh, was there between her and Nicole between 2012 and 2015. Those were the years before she got to, the Renine got to number one, and it was just sort of back and forth between the two of them. But uh, Nicole just sort of wanted, just kept that number one ranking over that period, despite, you know, the talent that the Renine was there nipping at her heels that whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember them having some great games. I think Renine was one of a few people, you know, everyone was basically gunning for Nicole. And it was just, that's to me is an example of how strong Nicole was, that you've got someone like Raneem who's snapping at her heels along with the rest of the pack. Raneem's blessed with the natural skills, movement, movement-wise and technically, yet couldn't break down for, for so many years. Nicole's just ingrained discipline and just mental focus and strength for so many years someone of Raneem's talent couldn't break that down for for a long time and as Raneem got better obviously and it's trying to beat Nicole's very hard so it takes your first win you know 2012 to actually believe that you can do it is quite difficult so to cross the finish line is a huge thing so once Raneem beat her obviously you know you can do it again and and it takes it takes as well a bit of a uh, other people to give Nicole a bit of a chink in that armor. So around a couple of years later, maybe around that time, Nicole was slightly perhaps dropping off or may have, I think Laura Massaro beat her a couple of times. So there was, 
it helps as a player if you see other players taking chunks out of, or chinks out of someone else's armor as strong as Nicole. Yeah. And the low tin came in, which was a huge, huge factor in terms of the the distance that Nicole had to cover was just slightly bigger. So before she could pretty much get everything back, you had to play almost perfect squash that she couldn't retrieve the ball back. Um, whereas now you have the girls like Shabini and, and Raneem who, uh, who could actually use those extra spaces with their weight of shot. I mean, Raneem's weight of shot is the best in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really, like when you play it, when she's playing well, you feel like she's just on the on the end of a string being dragged around and there's not yeah. a lot you can do. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, it looks not- like when, you, you know, when she's on form. That's really mm. actually what it looks like. And you're just trying. Yeah, trying to the first time I felt it, the first time I felt it properly, because I played her a bunch of times, and I generally, generally win. Obviously, when she was a bit younger, and I was probably at my peak. And the first time I knew that was probably going to be the last time that I was like, going to get anywhere near her was I think it was the British Open in Hull when it was at the O2 Arena. And I was probably seeded higher, like two or three or something. And Renee might have been seven or eight. I'm not sure. And we played in the quarterfinals. And we were all, and I used to like my back. I used to feel more comfortable on my backhand than my forehand. And mm. I'd try and sort of hold it and mix it up on my backhand. And so that was one of my strengths. But then playing Raneem, she was like, my strength was terrible compared to hers. I literally <laughs> didn't know if she was playing... I was going to say, like, watching her play the backhand is like, is sort of, uh, I mean, I love it. Uh, there, there are two people I yeah. love to watch play the backhand. It's her and uh, Gawad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just the control and the weight of shot and the deception, like the subtle deception mm. on her backhand when it just came to a straight drop or a straight drive, it, it was so good. And yeah. she beat me, and I remember thinking, hmm, I'm not sure I'm going to get a win against her again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I did, can't remember. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so she was pretty incredible. Yeah, they were, they were gripping, uh, they were gripping years, and then it, it was in 2015 that she, I think she took over uh, world number one, and uh, from that point on, it was uh, sort of her and uh, this new, the, the, the new group of Egyptian uh, girls that were coming through. So I was just wondering uh, what sort of uh, impact maybe did, did she have on what we're seeing today uh, in terms of, you know, it just seems like there's an endless line of, uh, of, of these young Egyptian girls that are just coming through. And, and of, of course, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of parity in terms of other uh, nations, uh, ladies from England, from uh, France, from uh, Malaysia, from around the world. But it just seems like at the top of the game, uh, there's no end in sight. Uh, so yeah, is this a, it a, seems like uh, something that, that that she sort of led the way. She's definitely a major part of it. I mean, you just have to read all the posts that all the younger Egyptians write, how much they've looked up to her and stuff. But there was before Raneem. I think Raneem's part of, um, you know, just the, what is now the dignity of Egyptian. I know, I mean, elder than, older than her, she had people like Omnair Abdul Kawi, yeah. who was very similar to Raneem in terms of skill yeah. skill level, but wasn't blessed uh, physically like Raneem is. For me, the 
um, Omnair Abdel Kaur is the most skillful player I've ever played against, and Raneem oh, wow. is the second yeah. most skillful. Um, so Raneem d- did have all those, she had a lot of people to look up to as well. But to become, to do things such as become the first Arab woman to be a world number one, take over Nicole David's dominance, nine year dominance, and be that one player that's actually broken Nicole's firm hold on the world number one spot is absolutely massive. And that's, you know, gained so much more coverage in the Middle East, in Egypt, and all those, you know, the clubs that she played, Wadi Degla clubs and stuff. There's just, just swarmed with kids. Like yeah. I was emceeing the World Tour Finals this time last year, and uh, Wadi Degla was part of it. And just the crowds were just hundreds of kids with, and they all love Raneem and yeah. and and that's you know, like everyone says, it's not just Raneem's a special person, whether she played squash or not. She's mm-hmm. not the reason why everybody loves her so much or even people who don't know her that well, there's a, you want to get to know her, you want to know her because she just has that demeanor and aura of a of a lovely human being. And, and she genuinely is. She's not someone who pretends to be smiley off court or she's, she's completely genuine. And that's, and that's why she's so well respected because she's been so successful at the same time as being so humble. And always, she's the first to give her time up to all those hundreds of kids at the Wadi Degla Club, and and she actually genuinely does it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, impressive. And she's, yeah, that's really impressive. But, yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, since then, you know, there's the the, the rivalry we talked about with uh, with Nicole, and now it's more. Uh, with uh, re- un- until she retired, with with her, and more so with uh, Nor El Sherbini. Of course, obviously T- Nor El Tayeb and the others are are, are also competing uh, and right there with them. But uh, they seem to have had some great matches over the last few years. Uh, so describe the the dynamics there uh, between the two of them. I mean, they're they're obviously they're they're very close. Uh, uh, so it, it's kind of a, one of these tricky ones where they're, they're probably good friends or, or Nora looks up to uh, uh, Raneem in, in, a, in a certain way. Um, uh, you, yes. Can you sort of speak to that, uh, Jen? I can try. I mean, it's nothing to do with me, so I can try. But, um, you know, that's an, it's a rare case and only they could sort of begin to describe what it is like to be so close because they are you know they are extremely close friends and the biggest rivals you could get and I mean they've exchanged world number one and number two spots yeah. they've played uh, I think I've read off all these stats a bunch of times so I should know but they've played and like their head-to-heads being like 13 all or the la- all their matches are basically finals that they play and it's yeah. very much you know tit for tat and yeah, they do it in such a sort of honourable fashion. They always speak so well about each other. You know, they call mm. each other sister. I interview them after their matches, and I'm sure it's something they've got used to over the years, having played played each other so much. They travel together to tournaments, um, but they're both extremely competitive, and the desire mm. to win is always there. So I'm sure they're used to it by now, but. They're very fortunate, I think, that they can, I'm sure Renee will look back and Shabini when she's finished and there'll be really precious years that you get to 
play one of your best friends and be the top two dominant forces in squash for a num- for a number of years, basically since Ni- since Nicole, it's been Renim and and Shabini. Yeah. Um, and yeah, such good friends and just the the skill level and the quality. They don't. Their matches can be kind of sometimes that they have great matches and other times they have some dud matches. Well, it's kind of a Whereas, clash in styles, isn't it? I mean, Nora's real yeah. sort of, you know, she, she, she's aggressive. Uh, she, she plays the ball. She plays hard, uh, moves well for a, a big girl. But, mm. uh, you know, then you've got uh, uh, Renine with, the, you know, with her, with yeah, her racket well, work. I think uh, for me, Shabini is just so ruthless and more severe than Renine is, even though yeah. obviously Renine's so skillful. I'd much rather play Renim than I would Shabini <laughs> okay, any yeah. day of the week. Yeah. I'd lose to both, obviously, but Renim, you can still be in the rallies and sort of feel like you're part of the match. Um, whereas Shabini just picks you off as soon as she's got a chance in a rally. And it's, and again, her backhand, you've got no idea where, it, where it's going. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, she she's so clinical, Shabini, that she doesn't really need to move that much. And I often wonder with Renim, I kind of wish that she'd have won a world title earlier on in her career. Mm. And then she'd have been able, I think, to drop her shoulders a bit. Like Shabini, you know, she's 24 yeah. and won four world, world championships yeah, already. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, took, when you uh, win... It was 2017 when... Uh... Renine won her first world title, wasn't it? Yeah, and I always yeah. felt for Renine. She's had a fantastic career, obviously. Um, but she had so much more pressure on her than a lot of the other Egyptians, given what she's been blessed with naturally and how good she was at a young age, that people just expected her to walk through a world championships and win it You know, by the time she's 21 and pick up British Open titles left, right and centre because she's so good. So she's had a lot of pressure and when you're that good yourself mm. i'd imagine you kind of put a little bit of pressure on yourself so the longer it takes the more yeah. you want it the, the, the harder the it weight is. is on your, your shoulders and then yeah. She was te- yeah and then she had it she, she was like, had one hand on the trophy in 2014 against nicole she's 10 six up in the fourth oh, in yeah. cairo yeah and nicole came back won that game and then won the decider which was oh it was I don't know how Renee must have felt after that. Yeah. Absolute gut wrencher. And so when she finally won it in 2017, it was so, it was so good just to have got that title for her. So was re- everyone was thrilled with that, I think. Um, so yeah. she's had it tough in terms of pressure on her because everyone expected a lot a lot of her from an early age. And she's most she's delivered basically oh, yeah. by the yeah, end of her career. But yeah. Well, she's definitely yeah. delivered. I mean, she she's just such a one of the you know you want to watch squash, you watch her uh, because it's just such a great display of every aspect uh, of the game. Now, uh, Jenny, before we uh, sign off here, just uh, you know, any last words, any parting comments, maybe you know, in terms of Renim and what she her legacy and what she left uh, uh, behind. I think her legacy is not just what a fantastic for me having been around her at events and stuff it's not just um and that's men and man men and women overall maybe not the most but it would be someone like shabana and uh so easy on the eye to watch but 
like I said earlier, Raneem's not just a special squash player. She's a special person, and you don't say that about everyone. But if you if you knew her mum or met her mum, you'd see why she's been brought up so well. And I think her legacy is just that you can become a world champion or the best one of the best players in the world or that's ever been at the same time as being true to yourself and setting a good example and being kind to other people. And that's ultimately what she's done for her entire career, whether that's to young kids, to her biggest rivals like Shabini or Nicole, and to anyone around her. She's always given the time of day and she's done fantastic uh, right things on. for squash, women's squash and squash as a whole. Right on. Well, well, Jenny, uh, really, uh, those are great words, and uh, we'll, I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, I just want to wish you and uh, Rachel all the best, and tell Rachel I said hi, as Jerry from the I podcast, will. and uh, maybe we can uh, speak. Yes, send her a message. Send her a direct message on Twitter, and I'll explain to her how to how to uh, find it and read it, and maybe even reply. Okay. <laughs> on a good day. Okay. Well, Jenny, take care and I hope to see you uh, back in the, you know, doing what you do with the PSA one of these days uh, in the near future. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Good to see you and talk to you. Well, that was great stuff there from Jenny. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Uh, a fantastic testimonial to Renee Walili, who leaves the game at the top of the rankings. And what a great career. What a fantastic player to watch. Uh, so thank you. thanks again so much to Jenny for sharing uh, her insight and her experiences that she's had with Renee with us today. And I just want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, we've got some amazing episodes upcoming. I've already had uh, two or three of them uh, completed and I won't uh, mention any names just yet, but uh, we've got some really good ones upcoming. Uh, episode 151 will be with Danielle Torno, though, uh, the PSA's Challenger Series Female Player of the Year. And she also has some very uh, wonderful words to say about her, I guess, yes, yeah, she said it, her favorite player uh, is Renee Melwalili. And uh, she just happened to spend a bit of time with her as a player on the tour in the last few years. So uh, Danielle Latorno will be upcoming in a few days as well. And we've got some other great ones not uh, too long after that one. So uh, please share these uh, podcasts if you're enjoying them. Share them with your, uh, you know, with the people at your club with your friends uh, in your squash community and also if you're if you're up for donating to the podcast this is all done for you know, i don't get paid for this so you can go to our paypal link which is on the sound soundcloud uh page if you if you like if you so desire that's uh you know that's up to you but uh anyway i really appreciate everybody uh sharing and your comments and your insight your likes and uh really appreciate you for that so stay tuned like i said for the next few episodes upcoming because we do have some good ones and with any luck i hope uh you guys slowly but surely get back onto the court uh i as i said uh, got back on yesterday i played with a guy that i i do a bit of sparring with you know once a week and uh, we had some great sessions we did a bus drive routine which um you know we maintained our social uh, i guess we maintained distancing uh on the court and uh, we did a bus drive routine where there were uh, targets that had to be uh, met, and uh, if you didn't hit those targets, then you lost the point or the rally. We kept score, and then we did a drop drive routine, which was similar to that, and then we did another boast drive routine. I forget who it was on the podcast. It might have been no, Tim Garner, I think, mentioned it during his training with Peter Nickel that uh, you know uh, you have to get back to the tee during about this 
version of the post-drive post routine, getting back to the T and then moving from there, uh, from the from the boast, uh, getting back to the T. And that was very good in terms of the cardio side of it and getting your heart rate up there because sometimes you, you can get a little bit lazy with the post-drive. And we, we did that as well. Uh, and also uh, maintain the the targets that we had we had in the first uh, routine of the the bus drop. But anyways, it, it all went really well, and uh, we're going to uh, go beyond that. I I think in our next session we're going to get together again. But uh, as I said uh, earlier, I hope you guys uh, slowly but surely get the chance uh, to get back on court if you haven't done so already. Um, you know, people listening in the UK, uh, my heart goes out to you. I think uh, still it doesn't look good over there. Uh, so just, uh, you know, hang tough. Uh, do your, you know, do your exercise, your circuit training at home or, you know, you watch a lot of squash like uh, like Mohamed Al-Shirbagi said a few episodes ago. Keep watching squash. And uh, just like, uh, yeah, you'll, you're going to hear a, a few anecdotes like that uh, coming up in future episodes where a lot of players are saying, you know, that's what they're doing now. They're watching more squash and developing their games uh, and being becoming a, sort of thinking about the game a bit differently through that. So, uh Anyways, uh, that was a bit long-winded, but I, I do appreciate everybody uh, who's listening these days. Take care and uh, have a great day. Goodbye now.